0: called Increase and Multiplication. And uh, I believe that God wants us to increase in many, many ways. On on an individual level, on a a corporate level, He wants His kingdom to expand. And Jesus, of course, said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And and so He wants us to increase in faith and love and joy and financially and in people. And He doesn't want a stagnant non- Um, vibrant, non-growing church. This is something that's alive. And so what what we've been sharing uh, with, uh, kind of the primary thrust has been that we would create an atmosphere in our church, and that's our church whether we're talking a service like this or our, our life groups that meet all around the city or wherever we are, but we would create an atmosphere that is conducive to increase. Alright? We would create an atmosphere where it's like, man, there's something about this thing. It just wants to burst. It just wants to grow. It just seems to attract the favor of God. It seems like there's something on it that that says more, 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 more. It's just alive. And I really believe that's the intention of God, that we wouldn't be a part. I don't want to be a part of a dead church, let alone pastor it. I mean, I wouldn't even attend it, let alone pastor it. Uh, and, and, and so, there sure shouldn't be a, a, an atmosphere of death and destruction, but rather of life and victory. And, uh, and what that does it, it, is it fosters increase, almost like a greenhouse is going to foster the growth of a plant. Uh, we create an environment in here, an atmosphere, that is conducive to increase in multiplication. And we see that's the Lord's design. So far, uh, some of the points we've made, some of the conditions, atmospheric conditions we've discovered are of value, are things like this. That we would gather together in the same place at the same time for the same purpose and we would say and do the same things. Yeah? God moves in that environment. Boom. Boom. We've discovered that the atmosphere of united prayer invites God's presence. Not just prayer, but united prayers. Uh, we've discovered that, that signs and wonders are a normal part of a, of a place that grows and increases with the growth that is from God. Um, we, we, we've seen how ministry involvement was key to the early church, that it wouldn't be just a, a select group of a small number of people doing all the ministry, but that each person would do their part and fulfill their call, but everyone would be involved, that way the, the move of God would not be hindered. In association with that um, is this necessity that those who are called to to preach, that they would have ample time to spend in the Word of God and the ministry of the Word. Uh, in, in prayer, excuse me, prayer and the ministry of the Word. And when those um, elements are there and not hindered, that's where God moves. That's when we see increase and multiplication. And, and so let's look over here at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 31 a, and read what was happening in the early church. It said, then the churches... Throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. How many know it's important to have edification in a church? To edify means to build up, or literally the word means to build up like a, uh, to be a house builder. If you edify someone, it's like, it's the word they would use to build a house. I find it very valuable and, and highly needed that when we come and gather in a setting like this, that we all leave stronger than we came. In other words, something was put into us. It's substantive, it's life giving, it's not fluff. Amen. It's like orange juice concentrate. Mm. Not just you ever seen ever been to those places and they're running out? Of their orange juice? And so they add more water? And you drink it and go. That's like orange flavored water. <laughs> I don't think church should be that way where we water down the Word in, to any degree. We want full maximum power. Why? So we get built up. See, I don't want to build a large structure on weak people. I don't think we can have a great impact on, our, on, our, on the world around us if we're all personally struggling, personally weak. And so we want to we edify. And the early church, what happened, they get together and they were built up. They were strengthened. High quality materials were used. Yeah? Have you ever been to a house? Or Maybe it's your house. I don't know. Uh, you, or maybe you were going to look to buy something and, and you went in and you opened doors and, you know, maybe they were all sitting crooked and, uh, you know, you just different things. I thought, this is kind of a, it looks okay from a distance, but you get up close and it's kind of cheap. Cheap materials. Yeah, I want to use high quality materials in this house. Which is basically this. Let's have as a little opinion as possible and, and a lot of this. Yeah. Because that, that's good quality material, building material there. So they were edified, and it goes on to say, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. All right, so there we found another key. We found another another conducive atmospheric condition is they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That produced this multiplication. Okay, And so I start to think, fear of the Lord versus what? Maybe fear of man? Maybe being overly concerned about what people think as opposed to what the Lord wants? There, there can be a an attitude in our hearts that respects, I don't know, tradition above the ways of God, that respects Personal comfort above God's will that respects what other people think about what I do and what I say more than what the Lord has to say about it. And these are the things we want to avoid. And so I began to to think about the, you know, the common fear of the Lord Scriptures. And, and, And I remember Scriptures like this in Psalm 111 verse 10. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom the beginning of wisdom. I think we all value wisdom. Well, where does it start? With the fear of the Lord. I have much respect for what God says is right, the correct way to think and act and live. And, and Proverbs 1, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Is the beginning of knowledge. I think we all want to know things. <laughs> well, where does it start? Is I I, I fear the Lord. And I value what He says and respect Him. This fear is not based on a belief that God wants to harm us in any way. Like I'm going to run from God like I would run from a rattlesnake or something. Uh, No, that's not the kind of attitude He wants us to have towards Him. That we misinterpret His love and His grace and His Uh, favor towards us and instead of running to him we run away from him this fear of the Lord doesn't cause us to run away from him but causes us to see him in a new way this fear of the Lord is not based in God wants to harm me or hurt me but it's based in a belief it's based in a revelation of his holiness a revelation of his might his power his awesomeness uh, you know we stand sometimes we say this or sing this we stand in awe of him why because he is awesome amen got some awe going on yeah and, and and so with that understanding it would be right for us to begin to see the Lord in this light okay so I want to I want you to imagine something with me for a moment if the Lord Jesus, we're to walk in our service today in the flesh or in a way that is visible to all of us. And if you stop for a moment, you read over in Revelation, he does walk among the churches. And there are times he walks through our services. And uh, I mean, he's always here by his, pre- by his spirit, you know, he's omnipresent. But he walks through and uh, whether you see him or not, that's not the issue, it's just a fact. But uh, setting that aside... Let's say he walks in, in all of his glory, his splendor and his majesty. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, comes in wearing the robe, with the sash. You know, I don't know, what kind of response would you have? I'm just asking, what do you think you would do? What, what would you imagine your response to the Lord being? You know, if he came right up that aisle and you're sitting on the aisle, would you be reaching out for high fives, you know, low fives on the side? (laughs) You know, do you imagine yourself running up to Jesus, you know? Maybe a chest bump. (laughs) Or, I'm just asking, or do you picture more of face in the carpet, like, oh, wow, Uh, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do right now, I don't know, I mean, I think I do do a little bit, but my posing the question is not to imply that there is no uh, friendliness and joyfulness being around Jesus, I believe there totally is. But it's the other side that I think sometimes we miss. And I don't want us to. You see, we can talk all day long, and maybe we will sometime, about the fatherhood of God. About the Father's love. And about how He sees us. And how He loves us. And, and, and there's a great need for people to understand that. Many times people believe that they see God in an incorrect way. He's just he's angry or something and he's mean and all these things no 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 he is our father who loves us and if you're away from God I want you to know as soon as you turn back to him his arms are wide open to you we need to know that but at the same time we also need to understand that he is holy and he is almighty and he is powerful and there is a time for conversation and discussion there's a time for worship and there's a time for I can't say anything right now because the presence is too overwhelming what does the fear of the Lord cause you to do what does it cause you not to do I know there's much taught about God's grace I love to teach on the grace of God it's an amazing thing it's a it's amazing yeah, and uh, But sometimes, you know, people abuse things like that. They turn it into greasy grace. And they say, well, God's grace, I'm covered, everything's good. And so, you know, it's an attitude that says I'll be forgiven even though I'm living wrong. It doesn't really matter because I'll be forgiven because Jesus already shed His blood and God's grace is everywhere and so everything's fine. Well, that's a rotten attitude. God's grace, is, it wasn't designed to produce a lascivious life. Wasn't designed so we could just live like the world and say, "But I'm saved." No, that's a that's a a, an abuse of God's grace. I believe that we need a, a revelation of the fear of the Lord, of the awesomeness of God. This is one of the things the early church walked in. Okay, did they have great love and forgiveness? Absolutely. Did they also have a sense of the fear of the Lord? That's what the scripture says there. And in that atmosphere, it took off. People weren't running from it. Oh, stay away! Fear of the Lord! (laughs) They ran to it. They were attracted to it. There is something holy about this. What would be the opposite of this condition? Maybe too casual? Maybe His presence is made light of? Maybe His gifts are despised? We treat the things of God as whatever. But if we had the fear of the Lord, maybe that would affect our our gatherings in a different way. Not that we wouldn't smile and laugh and do all these things. But there would also be a, a reverence about it. A holiness about it that says, whoa, this is the real deal here. This is not us gathering together at the Y. This is not community club. This is the presence of Almighty God and it's so real I know there's times again when the Lord moves and there's overwhelming joy and I love it and there's times when there's like a holy hush I love that too in fact just a couple weeks ago we were with the Bible college students and we were having during one of our nights and we spent some time praying shouting laughing It it was great prophesying you know there's some powerful things that were taking place in our in our gathering and then it was like it was amazing it was loud exciting and on a dime boom just like that it went whew, and all of a sudden it went silent and everyone stood there it's almost like we didn't dare do anything it was just still but awesome, but powerful. We walked out of there saying, Whoa. <laughs> that was nice. Let me show you something in the scripture. Isaiah chapter one or chapter six. If you know where Isaiah is, find that about the middle of the Bible or so. Uh, Isaiah chapter six. It reads over here in verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory." And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Notice that language when Isaiah had this experience. He said, woe is me. I'm undone. <laughs> it's almost like, I don't know what to say. So I'm going to sum it up with this. Whoa. I mean, I, I like to hear different descriptions of different types of services. You know, I, and if someone asks you, I imagine sometimes you go away and someone says, how, how was church today? And... There will be some weeks so you might say, hey, it was really fun or really life-changing or really uplifting or some weeks you might just say, wow. And uh, But I like this to be in the mix. I, I sure want some people, not by me motivating you to say it, but because of God's presence, someone asks you, so how was church today? And the only thing you can say is, whoa, whoa they might say what do you mean by that Uh, I don't know (laughs) because his presence was just so strong and so powerful I don't have any other way to describe it he's well (laughs) and that's what happened to Isaiah you might say well that's Old Testament he wasn't born again I get that but 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 go over to Revelation 1 and I'll show you another example I, I find this to be common not only with Unregenerate Old Testament saints, but also New Testament born again believers. In fact, uh, I was reading over the years. I've read after different ones, and 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 heard and spoke to people who have had experiences in heaven. Okay, how many know in heaven there is no flesh per se. There's no sinfulness. There's no wrong motives. There's nothing. And to listen to different ones describe what they saw or experienced at the throne of God is quite interesting. Uh, one, one person said, um, they said they were at the throne of God. They said they could not look at, at the Father. He was They couldn't look at His face, too bright. It's like couldn't look at it. They're on the ground. And he said, he, this one guy said, I looked up, I saw the Father's uh, hand, His fingers, he said, and one of his fingers moved, just barely, barely moved his finger. He said, and power went everywhere. It's just like power went whoo. He said, this angel went flying when God went woo. He said, the, the power that emanates from him is beyond comprehension. He was just in awe that people couldn't get up. And this is in heaven. I get that now. And sometimes we pray for people and lay hands and they go, Vroom. I've had that happen to me, power of God, and we're on the ground, and we think, whoa, and we think, well, that's just because we're here, we have this flesh and all that kind of stuff. Maybe in heaven it's not so different. He still overwhelms us. Another person said, they said when they went to the throne of God, they said people were trying to get there to get close to the Father, I mean physically close, and they would run to try to get farther but the glory was so strong and powerful they would lose strength before they got there and so they would hit the dust they're probably not really dust there but uh, you know they would hit the ground and they couldn't move apparently it seems even in heaven people have to become more acclimated over time to experience the fullness of God and it's not because of sin He's just that awesome. They said, actually, they said angels would come in and drag people out. So they could kind of (laughs) recover. And then they'd go back for more. I heard that, I thought, that's me, I'm totally running. I'm going to go as fast as I can and slide under, (laughs) get as close and as much as I can, let them drag me out. I I want all the glory of God, I want to be in His presence. But those kind of things just make me think, do we not have an awareness of how mighty and how awesome God is? And I think a lot of times we don't. How do I know that? By the way we treat His stuff. By the way sometimes we live our lives. We treat some things too casually. He is holy and awesome. And yes, He loves us. And my fear of the Lord is not driving me away from Him. He doesn't want to hurt me. But it causes me to have much fear and respect for who He is. In Revelation chapter 1, uh, notice over here, this is John. Remember John? The Apostle John, he wrote this. He said in verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded at at the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I stood up and gave him a high five. No. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He wasn't dead but as dead meaning no movement. He sees this and goes boom. Wow. But he, uh, but he, he, laid, at his, he laid his right hand on me and said to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. This sounds a little bit to me like the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Because of the fear of the Lord. <laughs> when we see how awesome and powerful He is, and we're like, whoa. The Holy Spirit comes along and said, so we will be all right. You're good. We got you. And we stand in front of God. <gasps> oh, but you're okay. You're okay. Okay. <laughs> So, when we see the awesomeness of Almighty God, we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit just to sustain us. Some people don't need the comfort of the Holy Spirit because they have no fear of God. That's a thought. But this is the way he responded. Isaiah said, "Whoa, I'm undone, woe is me, I'm undone. John fell at his feet as dead. Moses had an experience. You remember when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, and there was a great demonstration of God at that mountain. And by the way, Moses was someone that the Lord Himself described. He said, He's my friend. We talk face to face. Moses had a close relationship. Especially for Old Testament, had a close relationship with God, and yet He Himself said, "It's it's it's recorded in Hebrews 12:21." And, and so, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, "I am exceedingly afraid and tremble." This is the awesomeness and mighty power of God that Moses, God's friend, said, "Ha! <laughs> Yikes!" And he shook, and he trembled at the very presence of the Lord. What about those who don't fear? They blow off God's commandments. They do whatever their flesh desires. You know, I was, uh, in, in looking at that that passage in Hebrews, you know, what Moses said, if you skip down and look at the very last part of that chapter, in verse 28, uh, Hebrews 12:28. It, it reads, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Notice, have what? This is not judgment, have grace by which, in other words, use this grace so that we may serve God acceptably. Well, how do you serve God acceptably? You need His grace to do it. But how? With reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire Someone said, "Well, I just believe God's grace takes care of listen this is what his grace is to be used for I use his grace to serve him with reverence and godly fear not just fear not the kind of fear that love perfect love casts out not that kind of fear godly fear which is the way to serve him so if we lack this element in our relationship with God I don't know, we might be too casual in some of our approaches, in some of our ways of living. Uh, you know, if we were to think about any type of behavior that would be wrong or sinful, and we say, you know, sometimes we'll we'll look at it from a natural, logical perspective and say, don't lie because lying, dun-da-dun-da-da, dun, dun, dun. you know, it takes, it erodes trust, it you know it's deception. It's all this kind of stuff, and we could give all the reasons why a person shouldn't lie. Faith don't your faith won't work. Can't move mountains. All that kind of stuff. If you lie, uh, or you can do that with anything, or you can approach it from a different angle. Years ago, I used, I used to teach a lot on dating to singles, and one of my one of my objectives, at least at the beginning, was to try to convince single people to stay out of the sack until they're married. And so I would give reason after reason after reason after reason. Spiritual reasons, physical reasons, soulish reasons, all these kind of stuff. Stay out until you're married. I give them scriptures after scripture and just try to convince them. All right? And uh, uh, because, you know, if you look at any, anything that God says, don't do this, do it this way, if you study it and look at it logically with an unfiltered mind, you will come out saying, hmm, he's pretty smart. He's right. Yeah? But, but, but then I look at, and we can do that with any, any direction from God because He's just really smart. And His ways are true and right and just. But then I go to this. How about if I can't think of any reasons why I shouldn't do this? How about this element? Because God is holy. Because He is holy. He is awesome. He is powerful. And He's with me. An awareness of God's presence in all of His greatness and holiness and power and might. It's just motive enough sometimes to say, I'm going to live this way and not this way. I'm going to resist that temptation because of the awesomeness of God. And I don't, mm, I don't dare. And again, it's not, I don't, my father loves me, but he's right here he's totally holy. I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. The person who can do that is not really aware of God. You remember a guy named Joseph? Joseph in the Old Testament had all the brothers. Joseph had the dreams, told his brothers, they sold him into slavery. Joseph, who uh, one day would be, would be ruler in Egypt... But in the meantime, he was a slave. He was working for a guy named Potiphar. But he was so honorable and so trustworthy, Potiphar started trusting him and gave him control of his whole house, and he was running things. But Potiphar had a wife who was wicked. And the Scripture says Joseph was a good-looking man, and Potiphar's wife one day tried to trap him. And she said, let's do it, basically. There's no one else there. She tried to corner him, and she wanted to have sex with him. And, uh, and he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, no, I've been given this trust and this charge. I can't do that. But something he, he, he said in that conversation with that woman has always stood out to me. And it's, it's found in Genesis 39 and verse 9. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He was aware. This is Old Testament too he was aware in the middle of all this temptation that God was watching I think that helps us I think that helps us in life if we can recognize God is watching maybe it would help us if he would audibly just now and then go hey <laughs> when we're you know goofing off starting our minds going a certain direction he says hey oh yes Lord. <laughs> But an awareness and a consciousness of God will help us to stay reverent. What is the acceptable way to serve Him? With reverence and godly fear. This is something the early church walked in. That's what we read in Acts chapter 9. The fear of the Lord. And this was part of the great increase. Because they walked in that, God added to them. He didn't subtract. He didn't stand on the sidelines. He was actively involved. What if we could raise the reverence level, the awe, the respect, the godly fear level in this house? I mean in our lives personally, but it, when we gather together it doesn't mean we don't laugh and sing and shout and, and, and there's times when God will move all different kind of ways, but there's also something very woe about this. What if we could raise that water table of that in here? You know what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. Increase. It is maybe misunderstood by the mind. But there's something inside of us that says, yes. Yes, He's holy. Yes, I stand in awe of Him. Yes, and our worship takes on a new intensity. Come on, we sing to Him and it's not just it's God is almighty and I worship you I give you the glory that you deserve and his presence fills the house and maybe smoke fills the house like with Isaiah and the glory fills the temple like the Old Testament where they couldn't stand maybe it's maybe it's like John and we come in one day and boom and no one laid hands on us it's just the presence of God was so mighty and strong and awesome God did what He wanted to do. And sinners came in. And sinners recognized. Ah! What? His holiness. My sinfulness. And they called out just like in the early days of the Acts of the Apostles. They said, guys, what do I need to do to be saved? Instead of me giving the altar call and saying, here's what you need to do. They come and say, help. What do I need to do? Tell me the way of salvation. I'm, I am completely undone. And I need God to put me back together. I desire that. So what could we do? We can do our part individually. And say, God you are awesome, holy. Help me to see you the way you are. Help me to be reverent. Help me to, 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 uh, to be conscious of how holy you are. Not just at church, but through my life. Your presence with me always. Amen. And you take the love of the Father, and you take that. Glory to God. It creates an explosive force that will change the world. You know, if we have this attitude, well, I can do whatever I want. God will forgive me. Blah. You're, you're taking advantage of God's grace. His grace was not designed so we can do whatever we wanted in the flesh. His grace was designed to empower us to be like Him. To see things the way they really are. So may our church be this way. It's full of love and forgiveness. And the Father wraps His arms around us. And it's also full of a sense of godly fear and reverence and by his grace we serve him acceptably that way do you want it